Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sports. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Reg. How are you? Absolutely brilliant. I was just saying to Jane, our producer here, of course, uh, wonderful producer, I was just saying to her, coming in this morning, getting up and the sunshine and brightness outside and, you know, it's great the early mornings when it Makes it's not a nice dark. change. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It lifts the whole day, so I'm in great form. And yeah. You know, yeah, good. I'm in the sunny Clandidno on uh, North Wales, uh, the west coast of North Wales. Of course, the Welsh Open has been on this week, but it's beautiful, yeah. yeah. Lovely uh, promenade out there right next along the coast. Beautiful to look at, particularly when the sun is shining. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a good part of the world, mm. North Wales. Not often visited, but it is a nice place. Clandidno, as you said, yeah. Up around, <laughs> there's uh, Ebbe Vale and all up around the valleys up around there. So there's some great old rugby yeah. traditions up there in North Wales. I tell that's a tough place to go and play rugby back in the day but um, yeah I'm sure it's tough enough to go there and play snooker too it is <laughs> it's very tough and a few of the players have found it tough this week I mean the the, uh, the field has been well by the, by the top names and it's been well decimated there's only yeah. one of the bigger sort of more renowned names uh, left in the semi-final I think it's his uh, 92nd semi-final in his career uh, John Higgins yeah. he's won the Welsh Open five times he's in the semi-final against Gary he beat Mark Allen yesterday that's right in uh, quite uh, you know a real tough and hard fought semi uh, quarter-final he beat him uh, 5-2 in the end to get to the semi-final he plays Gary Wilson Scottish Open champion uh, tonight and the other semi-final, well, Martin O'Donnell knocked out the world champion Luca Brissell yesterday in a thriller. Major Black shock. ball in the end, 5-3. Yeah, major, mm. major shock. And he plays Elliot Slesser. And what an opportunity for both players. Uh, both, like, you know, well down the rankings as far as, like, top 16 are concerned. But what a great opportunity for one of them to get to uh, Sunday's final. Absolutely. And O'Donnell, um, he's ranked number 76 in the world. And of course, Luca mm. Brussel, uh ranked number four. So that was a major shock. I mean, you're telling me uh, lots of names falling um, in the tournament. What's going on? Why, why are so many of the big well, names well, finding Well, a few players... Well, a few players didn't turn up, which was uh, O'Sullivan uh, pulled out and Judd Trump pulled out, you know. Uh, Judd Trump had already won the German Masters last week. He won the Beth Victor bonus, an extra 150000 which wasn't too bad for him. Uh, so he didn't bother because he, we got another big tournament, of course, on Monday on ITV, which is the uh, Players' Championship. So he pulled out this one to, to get ready for that. O'Sullivan pulled out citing sort of uh, mental health reasons, although he's here uh, uh, for Eurosport uh, as a pundit. So he's taken a week off as well. Uh, but a lot of big names. I mean, it's best of seven, Reg, from round one right to the quarterfinals. So, you know, it's it's quite short. It's quick fire. And uh, 
it topples a lot of the seeds if they're not completely on the game, you know. But a great opportunity for the lower-ranked players, such as, as you said, Martin Abel, who fell off the tour, would you believe, you know, and only got back on the tour last year. Wow. Had to go back to Q School, got back on the tour. Of course, he has, you know, Irish relations with a name like Martin Abel. Yeah. You know, he's only second-generation uh, Irish. And, uh, yeah, so it's a wonderful story for him. And uh, I'm delighted for him. He's a lovely lad, you know. You mentioned there, Ken, um, players not turning up and and players pulling out. Mm. We're seeing and hearing more about that all the time. I suppose Ronnie is the one championing it uh, more than anybody else about the mental health. But uh, aside from the Mm. mental health side of things... Is the is the schedule flawed? Is there is there too many tournaments in close succession? Um, you know, I mean, there should be. Uh, it should be the case that all the players are participating every week. I mean, it, it's not the case yeah. in rugby, for example. Yeah. You can't have a URC championship in the teams when we decide we're not going to play in it. I know they can rotate the players absolutely, but is the schedule yeah, yeah, flawed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, I mean, it's a good thing if it is flawed because of so many tournaments, you know. Uh, I think, uh, you know, before we only had six tournaments, Reg, you know, for six ranking tournaments, whereas now we may have like uh, 18, 19, 20, uh, which is good for the players that the fact that they can pick and choose, but not great for the sponsors uh, and indeed for the fans who would sort of, he might have paid money to, to because they knew O'Sullivan was playing yeah, on a particular yeah. day, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just getting the getting the tournaments in, getting the finding the time uh, because not only do we have tournaments, but we also have sort of qualification for tournaments as well. So uh, that that takes up time, you know, and they take up a, a week here and a week there. So trying to fit them all in is it's a, it's a, it's a tough sort of uh, schedule. Uh, not only for the players but for World Snooker to try and find the times in the calendar because we have the new Saudi tournament which is coming up almost a week after uh, the Players' Championship which starts next week so that's the first week of March mm-hmm. um, and of course we've announced a new Saudi tournament a ranking tournament which is going to be well in excess of uh, over 2 million that's going to be the first week of September so there's another two tournaments added to the calendar yeah so it is quite uh, packed and uh, but if players that are successful enough, then they can afford to, you know, pull out. But it's, as I said, it's not great for the sponsors. So it's well, not I was going to say the, uh, for yeah, the fans. Yeah, I know you're on the kind of the board and that, and obviously yeah. more tournaments. Of course, there needs to be more to sustain, um, you know, the the livelihoods of of players. They need to have enough tournaments to compete in. But at the same time, yeah. we had this issue ourselves with rugby with the uh, when it was back when it was the Celtic League. Never mind the URC and the Pro 14 yeah. and Pro 16. It's had so many different names and iterations, but it's also had major difficulty getting sponsors in the beginning, and then it gets sponsors mm. and then you get people complaining that you know, they're not seeing the stars on display every week playing for the Leinsters yeah. and the Munsters and all these teams um, yeah. so your attendances drop off it's hard to convince sponsors then to, to stay involved so like it's, is it in danger yeah. of shooting itself in the foot would they be better off getting a more balanced approach that they know they can guarantee X amount <laughs> of top players for sponsors yeah. and for, for spectators yeah, it's a good question, uh, but you can't guarantee the players. You know, they they only appear uh, subject to uh, their availability. Of course, they're not sort of uh, entitled to play in everything. Contracted, yeah. Oh, they're not compelled, yeah. not compelled to play in everything. And 
you know, Ronnie O'Sullivan's mental health issues being well documented. This is the sixth tournament that he's actually pulled out of this season. Yeah. You know, he has been successful in, in, in some of the others. I mean, he's won, I think, four major tournaments already this season. Uh, and, of course, he, he doesn't want to feel burnt out as well. That's, an, that's mm. another thing. You know, but so many of other big tournaments coming up. So it's a delicate situation. You but know, if there are other players, sort of compel- you know, uh, yeah. you know, if there are other players pulling out as well for the same reasons, you know, yeah. like, uh, let's face it, it's probably not worth their while either. Maybe the, the sponsorship or the prize money isn't big enough to draw them up, would it? Yeah. Would that be an issue? Well, it's 80,000 t- 80, for the oh, winner plenty, uh, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, so it's not uh, nothing to be sniffed at, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they, you know, it's a difficult one. You know, it's what what can you do? You know, to you can't make them play in everything. Uh, you have less tournaments, then uh, the other players wouldn't be happy, you know, because they they want more tournaments to, to you know to uh, have more prize money, of course. But it's like the golf. I mean, the the golfers could play every week if they wanted, but they don't because they chose. Uh, to pick and they choose to pick and uh, choose their own tournaments, you yeah. know, for the scheduling reasons. You know, it's a it's a happy place to, it's a nice place to be if you if you can do that. Absolutely. If you can't, then you got to play. Then you got to get on the, you got to get on the treadmill and, and grind away along uh, on the circuit. You know. Yeah, it's a funny one though. Like if you just purely what you're talking about, if you think about it logically, those that are mm. in the positions of power where they can take rests every week and they're fresh then for the tournaments that they yeah. want to be for are invariably going to do better than those who are worn out from doing the grind week in, week out, traveling the country, you know, not getting as much practice in. Um, it's a real catch-22, yeah. isn't it? But they have to yeah, do it, it to is, survive. Yeah. <laughs> they have to do it, they to, have to, to, do it to survive, yeah. yeah. And the likes of these two players, as I said in the semi-final, the likes of Elliot Slesser today and Martin O'Donnell, they'd be only too delighted when, when some of the players uh, may turn uh, not torn up, you know, yeah. because it opens up the draw maybe in their quarter or whatever. But they have beaten some good players to get to where they've done. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, Martin O'Donnell has beaten Luca Purcell. It, it gives opportunities for the others, you know. Absolutely. So it's sort of, uh, you know, although it's 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 disappointing for the fans and the sponsors, uh, it's great for some of the other players yeah, uh, yeah. when the draw opens up for them, you know. Absolutely. Mm. Um, did you stay up last week to watch the Super Bowl at all? I didn't. I have to admit, I watched the no, highlights I, the I, next I, day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I watched a bit of it the next day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was very exciting, wasn't it? It was absolutely fantastic, you know, to yeah. go to right into overtime. Very, very exciting. But, no, I preferred to watch the... I didn't stay up to watch Taylor Swift either, so I wasn't yeah. too, wasn't too yeah. There wasn't a whole lot to it, uh, yeah. But I mean, there wasn't yeah, a whole lot going it was on. A, yeah. It was still a great spectacle, finish. a great spectacle. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, amazing, as always, amazing spectacle. Yeah, mm. well, uh, I I much preferred to watch the rugby over the weekend. So I was at the Italian match and uh, yeah. a good win for Ireland. Did you get to see any of it? Uh, fantastic, yeah, absolutely flying. You know, at the moment. Uh, uh, very very hard to stop. It's great, you know. Even after the World Cup and the disappointment of that, but they're they're setting off on the right foot already, and and they're they're they're, they're going to be the team to stop, you know, and maybe unstoppable the way they're playing at the moment, Rich. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a problem that we're getting carried away with ourselves, uh, as is expected. There's no question Ireland mm. are the best team in the tournament. Absolutely no question whatsoever. Yeah. There's no one to touch them. But um, you know that sport being the way it is, and rugby in particular, one-off day, and it can cost you the whole thing. But um, I have to say, mm. looking at them last week now, I mean, it was a bit disappointing. The atmosphere wasn't great um, in the stadium. Yeah. We had a good day. We enjoyed ourselves. But it was a bit quiet because I suppose the Italians didn't score. So there was very little for people to get animated about yeah, or get excited, excited about. about yeah it was yeah. hard but um, it was a good day out anyway but uh, yeah so a break this weekend Leinster are a little playing. break this week yeah, yeah a little and then the break. big they've got a couple of big games of course uh, they'll have uh, the big the England game even though England have been sort of struggling but they just started getting over the line aren't they yeah, as well absolutely. You know? well we've Wales next yeah, yeah. week who are always Wales. a tough nut we'll yeah. beat them but they're a tough nut to crack Gatland and yeah. the you know there's there's a lot of history there so they'll be yeah um, of course yeah. it'll be a good game but I don't well, he was a manager you played under what, what was he what was he like or did you play under him oh I did played for a good few years yeah, under him. yeah what was I mean, he like well, he was only starting his career at the time um, he yeah. was li- literally uh, had just come from Connacht, got the job. He was only there uh, for about 18 to 20 months and um, uh, maybe two years, I think. I can't quite remember. 98 to 2000 yeah. or something like that. And then Eddie O'Sullivan came in. He kind of got a bit of a raw deal in the end. He was uh, yeah. he was going okay with Ireland and then they got rid of him and it, it left a real bitter taste in his mouth, you can tell. Yeah, exactly. he hasn't uh, forgotten about it. He has it, never has he? forgotten he it. It's no, always no, been no, there. still... He's still a little bit bitter Absolutely. over it. Absolutely. It's still there. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's gone on to have an incredibly successful career. There's no question about it. With the Lions and with Wales and with t- teams like Wasps that he was involved with years ago. So, yeah, I was got on fine with Warren. There's no issue. I mean, he dropped me after the World Cup in 99. I didn't really like him for that. But uh, <laughs> other than that, we got on grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's time for GA, and I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the one and only Sean Lane. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Morning, Reggie. How are you? Oh, never better, I have to say. Another weekend, thank God. Plenty of uh, sport right across the board for us to look forward to. And it was a great weekend last weekend as well. Um, the hurling was uh, second to none. Um, second round of the league, of course. Galway against Tip, Cork, Kilkenny, Dublin, Antrim. What were your highlights from all of that? Yeah, it, it was brilliant, Reg. There was six games between the 1A and 1B and, and I watched five and a half of them. I got five of them live or, or deferred on the TV and I, I saw the highlights of the Westmead game. I suppose that the first game we watched was, was the Saturday night, the, the Cork and, and the Kilkenny game. And I suppose Cork, to be fair, they probably sent out two teams, one for the first half and one for the second half. Uh, they, they were poor the first half. They let Kilkenny just come out at the blocks with their own puck outs and throw balls over the bar. And at one stage, they were 13-5 down. But just before half time, um, uh, Conor O'Callaghan got a smashing goal for Cork and it brought them back in. And I'd say, um, you know, Mikey Mikey Carey and, and, and uh, Owen Cody and, and Adrian Mullen, who were outstanding the first half, were scratching their head in the dressing room saying, how is there only three points in this? Because because they were eight or nine points a better side. But to be fair to Cork, they came out the second half and, and Shane Kingston started running at them. Patrick Horgan had, had a great second half. Now, he did miss a free that he probably wouldn't be proud of. And, and Conor Lahan got three points. And all of a sudden, there was absolutely nothing in it, Reggie. Kilkenny probably deservedly won it by a point, but a brilliant game on, on a Saturday night. I suppose from a Dublin point of view, the next game was a Corrigan Park game on, on the Sunday. That was deferred. Uh, that was actually a very good game of hurling. Uh, Dublin were probably the better team for about 60 minutes. But Antrim 
kind of hauled them in, Reggie, and uh, drew level and went a couple of points up uh, with a strong breeze. And you're saying that it's going to be hard to get a result out of here, but you have to give uh, Dublin credit then. Uh, they've unearthed this young lad from Kilmical Crokes, Brian Hayes. He's a smashing little hurler. Mm. Uh, he has pace, he has uh, athleticism, he, he has a pair of wrists, he got two or three great points from play. And Keno Sullivan, you'd have to give him great credit. Dublin got the winning goal. It was fortuitous, there's no doubt in, about it. Uh, the goalie spilled the ball, but Keno Sullivan followed up and put the ball in the net. So Michal Dunahoo will be absolutely delighted that he got a result and he, he's two points. The other game then was, was a game um, played in, in, in Semple Stadium, Reggie. Um, <laughs> like another game where it was nearly two halves because straight after half time Tipperary put on a sport and we got five or six points and you say the game is over mm. and all of a sudden then Galway put on the same type of sport and got up. and woke up and got five or six points and it was nip and tuck till the very very end um, for, for, for Tipperary um, you know uh, they, they really um, had some fantastic uh, scores and, and, and um, Liam Cal will be delighted Gerard O'Connor he got one thirteen, Reggie now he got a penalty and he got a load of freeze but he got four points from play now that's a great find for Tipperary and as we all know no more than all other sports it's not the 15 now you need 20, 21 or 22 that's a huge addition for him from Henry's perspective and, and the Galway side Evan Nyland got 10 points you know a lot of them were freeze he's still looking for a couple of players uh, Reggie and I still think he's looking for a big forward maybe two big forwards he has a lot of risky hurlers really good lads um, but but you know on a big day they, they might just struggle so from the hurling point of view I, I suppose they were the highlights one thing I would want to mention there was a great game with, with Wexford and, and Offaly that ended up a draw uh, and and uh, the Clare uh, Waterford game was live the first game live on the Sunday and uh, that was equally a great game and it was nothing between that um, um, Davy Fitz team just lost out by a point to Brian Lohan's team so that was a cracker of a game but one team we do need to mention Reggie was, was Westmead yeah. Westmead uh, it was a great performance Reggie and we didn't give them much hope last weekend no. so it, it's worth a mention Joe Fortune's done a massive job down there with them uh, I was following that one on Twitter while I was watching one of the other games and, and do you know uh, I think it was 16 14 or 16, 15 with only 6 or 7 minutes to go yeah. with uh, Limerick getting a, a late goal, late goal so yeah. it, it was absolutely tremendous so as the league positions now you, you, you've Clare unbeaten and they'll be very happy you'll have Cork kind of in a bit of trouble if they've lost their two games So and there is relegation this year Joe or, or Reggie between yeah. Division 1 and 1B um, so that's probably going to add a little bit more spice in all the games that are, that are left but um, you know it was a brilliant Sunday and Saturday night entertainment watching the Hurling Absolutely. Could yeah. I just mention one thing on the, yep. on the hurling, Reggie? The friends of Dublin hurling have been on to be uh, more uh, uh, Scully. Just to mention that the uh, annual AGM is in Parnell Park on the nineteenth, Tuesday the nineteenth, and they're looking for a delegate if they could from every club, and they're wishing to elect a new treasurer, which would be a marvellous opportunity for a young qualified accountant or somebody who's looking at qualifying as an accountant. I'll have more details on that before the, the event. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, in the ladies, you see, um, there's three teams uh, at the top of the ladies' national league: Kerry Mead and uh, Armazit. And uh, who are Dublin playing this week? Yeah, D- Dublin. We we were probably not critical, but we were pointing out their their weaknesses. The last couple of interviews we we did on them. Um, 
they they got it right the last day they went away to Mayo but the com- the things that were wrong they were conceding goals they still conceded goals against Mayo and found themselves seven or eight points down they weren't scoring enough and, and with say 40 minutes gone they'd only scored about seven points but they put that piece right Reggie they got to 2.15 uh, and won the game fairly comprehensively 2.15 to 2.8 um, Katie Sullivan scored 1-5 uh, Orla Nolan from my own club in Ballantyre got three points and Quivo O'Connor got the other goal and the third thing that the Dublin team had to put right was you know there's players away so I just had a look at the Dublin team this morning and, and lo and behold Jennifer Dunn is back and Hannah Tyrrell two all-stars so Mick Bohan will be happy he's two points on the board they're playing Galway this weekend who aren't going terribly well so I expect them to, 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 to get two points there which will lead the mid-table but the real key game Reggie um, the weekend you mentioned and, and quite correctly that uh, there are three teams uh, on, on um, full points uh, firstly Kerry are playing uh, Mayo and I expect them to get over Liam McHale's Mayo but the big game is is Mead at home to Armagh both of them uh, Reggie are, are top of the table um, Mead 3 from 3 and Mead, Mead have beaten Dublin as well Armagh the, the, the uh, surprise package so far but, but they have great players in um, Amy Mackey Kelly Mallon and, and um, uh, McDonnell so so um, they, they won't be easy beaten, Reg. Um, they will give a, a good account of themselves, but I just think Mead under Shane McCormick, new manager, he's definitely put a bit of shape back onto Mead. Remember, they they did win two All Irelands. They're still the nuts and bolts of that team is still around. So uh, I'm expecting a cracker there, but I do expect that uh, Mead will come out on top. And in the other game, I, I expect Cork to have a home win against Watford. I'm actually predicting Reggie all four home. Uh, off get would be four home wins yeah okay well that's plenty to look forward to there in that and of course there's a full schedule in the football as well and I'm delighted to be joined on the line now as well by Brian Talty good morning Brian how are you good morning Reggie how are you oh, never better not a, not, not a bother good. on me and uh, enjoying all of the GA coverage that's coming here with Sean uh, but a busy weekend in the football yes, Sean. morning Brian how are you how are you doing, Sean? I'm not too lovely, bad. At all. Lovely West Moreland in, in Limerick here, Sean. Well, if you were listening to the earlier part of the show, Reggie was blowing that it, when you woke up this morning in Dublin at whatever quarter past twenty past seven, I can tell you it was yeah. absolutely beautiful and it was bright. So <laughs> and it's always raining. In Limerick it's always Or Galway. I spent lots of time in Galway. Yeah, it was always yeah, raining. Yeah. I suppose then we, we'll try and cover the four games. Um, uh, before the, the, the Dublin Ross Common game, I, I suppose the easiest question I'd ask you is: I'm sure Desi really wants to get a win here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I think every time you go out, you want to, to to win the games. But I'm just wondering, like, are they are they just not showing their hand at the moment? Because you know, when you look at the team, and you, when when I sat down and saw the team, the last day, the best full forward in the country was playing midfield for Dublin. Yeah, I saw that. And then for yeah, for a lot of the game, you saw Ryan Pascal, who is another great forward, out around the middle of the field. So you're just wondering. Uh, but Dublin have been playing reasonably well throughout the league, you know, and, and still not getting the victory. But you're, you're just saying to yourself, you know, they're they're playing really well um, but they're not going for the juggler really which they normally would do like so they're, they're winning games and even the last day against Mayo they left Mayo in the game and, and, and didn't go really for those scores that would have put Mayo away and then what happened Mayo come along and they get a goal and, and they win the game you know but Dublin they're, they're, they're improving slightly with every game to be honest with you and then there's still a lot of lads to come back into the game but as you say uh, they need a win and Desi will want to win as well Yeah I think just for morale to, to get two points on the board because I would agree with you I, I think they 
could have won the two games uh, the game at home to Monaghan and, and where they conceded three goals uh, and I thought they conceded a bad goal against uh, Mayo as well a, a high ball in around the square and none of the Dublin backs went for it and it just ended up in the net with a, a punched goal yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it's a dangerous kind of ball to have to work, to, to to try and and deal with. You know what I mean? But you have to say Stephen Cohn and Ferris from you know judged it really well. Got a good run across the square and and got his fist to the ball. And you know, in, 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 it was a good goal for for Mayo and Ferris to them. But I I didn't even think Mayo played as well as they had played against Galway against against Dublin. And Dublin were good in spots, but hopefully we get a more consistent performance. And as I say, that they go for the juggler and they try to get the scores that are going to actually put them away from the opposition but it'll be difficult today because Roscommon uh, have a really good team and they're coming with a lot of really good young forwards as well we watched Sigerson during the week and saw a performance from uh, young uh, from Dara Craig was just unbelievable Outstanding. the scores he was scoring yeah absolutely so Roscommon are coming with really good forwards and you have Ben O'Carroll who didn't uh, play in the Sigerson the last day whether he plays again the next day and then you know you, you add on Enda Smith and, and uh, these are really good forward so they, they'll, they'll give Dublin a good game of it but they're also coached by a really good coach and, and people complained last year when Roscommon played Dublin that they held possession of the ball for so long and didn't give the ball back to Dublin and it looked terrible and everything like that in the end of the day they got a score from it yeah. but uh, they won't be giving the ball back to Dublin easily like because what happens when Dublin get the ball they just transition so quickly yeah. and there's a score at the other end of the field so I'm sure Davy Burke will, will be coaching the last to keep possession of that ball and as I say they have forwards who can trouble Dublin but um, I, I saw slight improvements in Dublin the last day and particularly you know the performance of Jack McCaffrey was unbelievable because the previous day you know he looked like a junior footballer but he came back to the all-star that he was the last day and actually when he was taken off in, in the game the momentum seemed to shift to Mayo you know so um, we'll be, I haven't seen the team so hopefully we'll, 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 we'll see some of the lads back but I think he's trying to find a few few lads as well there and young McInerney from Scurries has shown up really well so uh, let's see how he goes today he certainly is and I suppose you know um, a, a big game the weekend and, and we'll find out what Kevin McStay's uh, views are in winning the league he's four points out of four he's away to Kerry and Jack O'Connor has on record and Reggie was laughing at me last week when the Kerry man said he wasn't serious about the league uh, you know you have two fellas now going to play one another they're, they're both if, if whoever wins they'll be both joint top almost uh, and they're both saying they don't particularly want the league how, how do you see that game going? The Kerry yes, Mayo. When you look, people can talk all they like, and, and we all know as being sportsmen, you know, can talk all you like about oh, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do that. When the ball is thrown in, you want to win the game, yeah. you know. And certainly, the, the Mayo always play really well against Kerry for some reason or other. But I'm looking at the Mayo team, and I'm saying to myself, is Kevin McStay happy with four points at the moment, and is he trying to find a few new players because he has five changes um, yeah. shown from the team the last day, and and young Brickerton and young Sam Cannon who played. In the Sigerson during the week are being rested, and uh, and Paddy Durkin, who really played well the last day, yeah. is being rested as well. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there, but he's probably trying to find a new a few new players as well. But Kerry have a very very strong team. I saw, I saw like, the Kerry team. Oh yeah. my God! You look at their full forward line, and you're saying David Clifford is there, Shawnee O'Shea has gone into full forward, Darren Moynihan beside him will probably ramble out around the middle of the field and try to leave space for those two. But how do you deal with Shawnee O'Shea and and Clifford in there yeah. if they get a bit of space you know so it looks to me as if Kerry 
have nearly got their championship team out there. There's, their middle of the field is beginning to go well with the two O'Connors in the middle of the field and that's what they need to find. They need to find a midfield and they need to get a forward or two to add to, to Shawnee O'Shea and Clifford. Yeah. But uh, it's a really strong Kerry team. I, I think they're really going for it today um, and I think they'll probably take me Yeah, and they, they've tied Morley and... and, and, and um uh, Jason Foley as well in the back who are t- no slouches when it comes to defending yeah, well, yeah I, I, I right. agree Tiger's yeah. back again in a centre back you know so it, it looks a really strong Kerry team but you know the way it is in the league Sean, these are the teams that are picked beforehand and whether the teams that line out we don't know but, but it does look as if Kerry have their championship team out there and they're trying they're finding a few forwards as well young Killian Burke at half, half forward big strong mobile guy can take scores he's a big plus for them as well so yeah. I think Jack is, is, has is really going for this I don't think he likes losing to Mayo no he he, he's lost quite, qu- quite a few and maybe maybe Jack's approach in this is there's seven league games I'll pick the three or four teams that'll be around for the knockout stage of the All-Ireland quarterfinals semi-finals and I'll put out my best team against them and see how we do so maybe maybe that is approach which isn't a bad one just we're going to be yeah, short on time your own, your own county yeah, Galway uh, got a point the last day against Roscommon we, we watched the, the two of us watched the, the, the two Canavans playing in the Sigerson during the week down in Tyrone at home to, to Galway you know how do you see that one going well, look at you look at the Galway team, and you you, you see uh, the fellows who are not playing is who you're talking about, like uh, Killeen McDade, Sean Kelly, Damien Comer, Shane Walsh, uh, Liam Sick, all leaders of the Galway team. So uh, they're all out injured, but uh, I do like the fact that, that that he's trying out some young new forwards because Galway need new forwards to go with Damien Comer and Shane Walsh uh, and Matthew Tierney. So uh, he's trying out fellas. He, he doesn't have a choice, but he has to try them out, and hopefully they'll go well in that. But as you say, looking at the Canavan brothers the last day Sean O'Donnell these fellas really good players whether the weather can do well the weather conditions in Limerick wouldn't suit them whether it's nice and sunny up in Tyrone that would be a different kettle of fish but, yeah. but I, I do fancy Tyrone to take that game today because of it's a new team that are coming through and some really classy players Yeah and I suppose the very last one and I know you want to say something before we go on to the last game about Shane O'Hanlon his passing uh, Brian yeah, look, uh, Reg, uh, Sean, last week we were shell-shocked last Sunday when we heard the news that Shane passing away. What, what a worker for Dublin football. It's just unbelievable the work the man did in the background. Uh, you know, travelling around to check out pitches, sorting out the hotels, all of that kind of stuff, sorting out their holidays at the end of the year. Did massive work. What a loss. I think Philly McMahon put it right. He said he's not replaceable. It's just a terrible, terrible shock to everybody. And particularly, I suppose, to Mary and the family, it's just an awful shock. Uh, sure is. There yesterday got go, uh, Reva Alam Dealish. Uh, very, very, very. We won't see anybody like him again. No, true. Uh, the last game then, and very, very quickly, uh, Derry at home to, to Monaghan. Monaghan, you, you mentioned Jack McCaffrey. Did this Stephen O'Hanlon gave him the roasting in Crow Park? Uh, but yet Monaghan went out the, the day after beating uh, Dublin the following week and and lost comprehensively to Kerry at home. So a Derry win on this one, Brian. Yeah, they absolutely they, they, they lost comprehensively, Sean, uh, on the scoreboard. But they did play really well for I said three quarters of the game. And Kerry had to call in the the, the Clifford brothers to yes. try and win the game. It, it's a good Monaghan team. It's a young Monaghan team. It's a pacey Monaghan team. Uh, and I'd be interested to see how they get on today against Derry because this Derry team are the team that everybody is talking about. Big, strong, skillful, and really going for it with Mickey Hart to go for every game. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. Um, I, and I'm interested to to, to see how. It 
it goes. But, you know, very experienced, they're big, they're strong, they're going for the league. Uh, I think they'll take that victory. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one, Brian, and see how it goes. We're always rooting for the underdog here on this show, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Great chatting to you yeah, as always, so Brian. Thanks, Brian. Again, all right, Reggie, soon. thanks. All right, Sean, thank you. Take thanks. Care. That's Brian Talty there. Dublin Sporting Communities, funded by Comishoon the Man, with the television licence fee on Sunshine 106.8. Yes, as always, every week, it's uh, the part of the show where we look at work that's been done in the community by local clubs. And this time for our local club segment, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by George McCabe, who's the founder of G-Force Gym in Drimna, uh, founded in 2020. And also, he's just started a running club in January, which has proven pretty popular as well. George McDonough, you're very welcome to the show. George McCabe, should I say. Hello. You're very welcome to the show, George, George McCabe. Yeah. our racing pundit. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, George? How are things? But all good, all good. Good stuff. Great to chat to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear, um, you know, all about G-Force Gym in Drimna and uh, how you got into it. But I suppose before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself and your own background. Yeah, my name's George McCabe, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm from Drimna. And we used to live up in Tala. Um, I had a bit of a, rook, uh, bit of a rough old background between uh, family loss and my family and just kind of going through my own little addictions over the course of the years um, and I kind of broke away into fitness to help with the demons and addictions. Excellent. I was going through in my own head. Excellent stuff. What led you down the path of uh, going through the fitness route? Um, obviously, <laughs> addictions um, being dealt with, I often hear people who've gone through addictions saying that they need something else to focus on and something else to focus that maybe addiction towards and fitness is often a good way to go there. How, what drove you in that direction? Um, it was kind of not. It was more the fact that was, of all the hurt I went through in my life, I never kind of had much help. Mm. Um, I always dealt with it on my own so I always wanted to kind of when I got into fitness and I felt how much I gave, how much love it gave me to love myself again yeah. I felt I wanted to share that with other people I wanted to try to reach out to other people and show them what exactly fitness has done for me and how it could actually help them as individuals um, so it was kind of it was a, more of a a calm calm in the storm for me like for everything that I've dealt with in my own head you know what I mean Absolutely. every time I come out of the gym I felt that the stress of all life and everything that I was taught about that happened in the past was kind of taken away from me you know what I mean so I felt that, that I could actually employ that into other people yeah and, and it was one of the reasons why I decided to go down to fitness really. Yeah, I know that feeling well. When you come out of the gym, there's nothing better than that feeling of satisfaction. No. Having a accomplished yes, yes, session. Yeah. Maybe getting yeah, a yeah, yeah. on some lift or something along <laughs> yeah. those lines. And you're, that's you're it, progressing. That's it, that, that's it. Yeah, and you can track yeah. it. And, you know, uh, but but it's not easy to transfer that over to other people or teach other people how to do that. Did you did you find that transition hard? Um, not really, because I, was just, I just came with, with like... It just a, it was kind of a real approach to it, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I hit people the way the way the way you hit me. Um, I was just straight out forward with people, you know what I mean? I didn't kind of make up any lawyers or to try sell what I was offering, you know what I mean? Mm. What I was trying to do was was to try and change with people's mentality and not kind of the body. I, don't, I didn't really come into the game to make people look like blade Barbies and Ken, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I never looked at fitness that way, so fitness was never that kind of. It's, it's nice to get that type of shape. Yeah. It's nice to achieve it, it's nice achieving, but it was never what I indicated to come into the business for. Yeah. So when people kind of realised that, I kind of brought a different clientele, like, do you know what I mean? I wasn't chasing that kind of, like, 
Instagram. The gym boy, yeah, come, come, yeah, yeah. We wasn't, I wasn't chasing that, so I never looked for it. Yeah. And people like that used to text me, I used to say, mate, look, you're all right, you don't kind of need my help. Yeah. Um, and then I always kind of so it was that that was the type of the type of audience I kind of tried to attract. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And look, people that just wanted to train for the body, working class people that had kids mm. that don't have time to be sitting there eating chicken and rice and scraping themselves out of battles. You know what I mean? Being depressed, looking up, eating the same food twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, and getting wrapped up in fitness. So like I just want them to leave a gym feeling that feel good factor at the end of the week, feeling like they've changed something over the week. Well, it's obviously working for you because you currently have over 800 members on a daily basis uh, coming in and out of the gym. I mean, that that's a huge number yeah, of clients. Yeah, what's, yeah, but what's small, what's smallest class in the gym now is about 80 people. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah, like, our biggest class is, is 150, 160. That's huge. And I mean, how, how do you manage that kind of stuff? I mean, has it gotten almost run away? I just, I see, when I was, so we built, I built the gym in lockdown. Mm-hmm. So we built, I built, so in lockdown, at the start, before lockdown, I went into a little deep addiction, yeah, cocaine addiction, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because um, they always, the past crop back up with me, went into a little deep depression, into a little deep hole, sitting in my gaff 24-7, hiding behind the, the window. Mm. Um, so my, 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 my older brother passed away, he was murdered when I was uh, uh, 18. Right. He died, he was murdered on my 18th birthday. Wow. Um, so one night I was out, I was in my gaff, like I, have, like I have a big tattoo on my arm about this whole, this whole dream. Yeah. So I had a dream one night, that my brother came to me one night and he says to me in the dream, he says, uh, George, you're going back down a bad route. And um, we first came, we first with my dad. So my dad was murdered as well when I was eight. Yeah. So he came to me in the dream with my dad. So they came in on a boat, I had a boat, I have a boat tattoo on my arm. He came in on a boat and he jumped out the boat. Um, he put out a coin that got tortured, so he, he, I'm not going to into that, but he got, yeah. he had his eyes removed. So he came in and he came up and he said, look, tell me, man, that, that I can see again. And I'm with my dad, but I just need you to do one thing for me. And I said, what is it? He goes, I need to go up there in the morning. I need to get your shit together. I need to go chase your dream. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, the dream is always to help people. Yeah. So I woke up the next day and being straight, I was there, like, this is not what I like. My body goes to this and he gave me. Um, I just woke up the next day, buddy. And I said, I'm going to go out to that field. I'm going to set up boot camps. Brilliant. Not an easy um, thing so to do. Off in, not an easy no, thing to do. No, I started off in the kitchen. Yeah. We started off in my kitchen doing free online classes mm. at 8 p.m. And I used to get people to turn on the heating in the kitchen and put a towel at the door and keep the room nice and warm. So we used to do heated kitchen classes. Yeah. Uh, we used to use towels and bottles of water for weights. Yeah. And we used to run classes in there. So then we went from there out to the fields. I'd done the first three or four weeks for free just to help people get them out. Yeah. Then I charged two euro a head yeah. for the classes because I wanted to save up money and buy them equipment. So I saved up the first 2,000 euro and I bought them all because I was getting cold. I was coming to the winter. Mm-hmm. I bought them all free jumpers, hats, scarves, gloves, and face masks. Keep them all warm. Fantastic. Well, then we brought the classes up to, then I brought the classes to 250 and then my girlfriend used to be always saying to me, George, I'm not making any money. Yeah. And I said, babe, at the minute, at the minute, it's not about the money. It's about helping people and getting people, um, getting people out and getting people like lockdown. Obviously, you know what lockdown was like, it damaged a lot of people's heads, minds. Yeah, mentally, yeah. So I brought a structure, pal. I brought a very, very toy structure. I didn't let anybody talk in my classes. I didn't let anybody talk about what's going on at home. Didn't let anybody get it, like have little, no little clicks. Mm-hmm. I kept a really tight structure. You come in, you do 45 minutes, you forget about the world, you forget about COVID, you forget about everything. And I want you just to release everything that you have in your head into this class. Fantastic, yeah. 
And you, you've also oh, branched out into the running aspect of that as well. Yeah, then. so now we have a running club called Street Force G Force. Right. It runs every Wednesday and Sunday. Um, there's around 250 people in that running group. Brilliant. 300 people. It's a huge reaction, isn't it? Really? Are we yeah, surprised at the reaction? Day, like, yeah, mate. It's, uh, I'm not joking with you. It does, uh, mind blows me every single day. You, ask, you can ask me trainers. We sat here on the first day when I set it up. Now, we're running with me, with, uh, Jim, since 2021. Hmm. But we've never had an official running club. Yeah. And so we, this year we set ourselves, because we are so busy with the gym, do you know what I mean? And, and George, what what kind of age bracket are you getting? What, what, what? So our age bracket would be in around from about... 25 up right. now we're starting to take in a lot of kids now but see it's air gym is, is, is it's a boot camp style gym but we yeah. do have the we do have the benefits of like we have 20 squat racks we have 40 cardio machines and we have a, a gym area right okay so like we do have the benefits of but we, we're not we don't chase that style of training so we don't bring that style of um, of, of of gym couriers you know what I mean that chasing strong lifting yeah. uh, tops off and all that like we don't it's not what we chase it's all functional movement, it's a, body it's weight, a, yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just functional classes. Yeah. It's high intensity. You come in, you get 45 minutes. There's no talking, there's no chit-chatting, there's no room for that. We don't allow it. Um, anyone that kind of, like, we have, we are, yeah. we are kind of very strict, you know what I mean? But we're very, very, but it's just, it's a meaningful strict, you know what I mean? It's Absolutely. not an aggressive strict. It's not like, uh, we're coming at you. It's, it's to do with what we, what we believe G-Force offers. Absolutely. Well, that's the nature of boot camp. George, uh, it's, I've run out of time. It's been fascinating talking to you. Congratulations is what I want to say to you on the success. Well done on creating Thank such a brilliant much. business and having so many members and uh, affecting so many people and changing so many people's lives. It's a real credit to you. Well done. OK, it's been a pretty busy week sporting-wise and last weekend in the rugby, no doubt about it, uh, everything went Ireland's way. Nice, handy day out for them, really. But some good matches across the board uh, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by former Leinster and Ireland uh, legend Victor Costello. Morning, Victor, how are you? Morning, Reg. Great, thanks. Yeah, great Brilliant. to have you back on the show. We haven't spoken for a while uh, about rugby, but um, yeah, it's good to have you back. It's been... Um, an interesting Six Nations so far, I suppose, is the way to, to put it. Brilliant start in the beginning with us beating France and a bit of a walk in the park last week against Italy. Italy not even firing a bullet. But Ireland, as they stand at the moment, really are looking like the team to beat and a powerhouse at this stage. Yeah, um, it was a disappointing World Cup exit, um, of, particularly with the, the consistent hype that went through it and the performances to match. Um, and then you're kind of always looking at this World Cup cycle of how we are going to approach it in the first Six Nations, where there's always a, a hangover, as they say, or you know, a vacuum. And I think when they picked Peter Manny as captain, I thought to myself, that's kind of not a great sign because of the age, nothing to do performances or the person, but not a great sign if if you want to start off a new uh, World Cup cycle. But certainly the performances have, um, have booked my trend and. Uh, Again, if you look at captaincy, Caelan Doris last weekend, what a fantastic leader he's going to be in the future, if not right now. But I think uh, Ireland have done everything right. They've got a blend of youth there. They have, uh, they've got experience and they've got results. And it's going to be very hard to see how who's going to stop them um, for the rest of the Six Nations. Um, and, you know, we take this lightly where a Grand Slam, is, people think it's in the bag. And, you know, it's been a lot of decades where there's been lost Grand Slams and poor Six Nations and poor Triple Grand performances, but that's where we are as a nation. And uh, it's great to see that. Um, great to see the standard being kept high, even though with the disappointment of the last 12 months. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. The Irish standards are at an all-time high, uh, and you know, the World Cup. I'm I'm over it. It was hard to get over at the time, but I'm over it now, and it's on to the next thing, which is the, the Six Nations, uh, and 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 the next four years. Um, I, I'm not a big believer in these World Cup cycles four years out, maybe two years out I'd start to worry about that, alright, but not not at this stage, but I suppose the biggest concern I would have, Victor, is uh, Ireland, let's park Ireland fantastic place, great young players coming through, we seem to be firing uh, on all cylinders but the other nations are really starting to, you know, raise questions, um, and including France France got a bye by the skin of their teeth last week in, in a game that both of you and I both agree, really Scotland scored that try and it should have been awarded to them they should have been beaten France you know Scotland are the only glimmer of hope of making any progress but all the rest of the teams have really fallen away which is quite worrying yeah it's um, very worrying for the game and uh, you know we should be very proud as a nation that our standards are kept high and there's consistency there so you know I agree with you on the World Cup cycle it could be four years or two years but consistency is key, no matter how long it might be, to get that lead into the World Cup. And that that sometimes has to be with selection as well. But when you look at the, over, the overall picture, if you zoom out on, on rugby at the moment, I mean, there's disruption everywhere. You know, you've got this Team O stuff going on with the referees. You don't have a powerhouse referee of the likes of Nigel Owens that they used to have, or even Wayne Barnes. Um, we've kind of got this substandard across the board, really. And I think referees that aren't dominant... Um, that might be a bit cruel where it's substandard, but they should be more dominant in their decisions and should have confidence in their decisions. And over overruling, you know, a video or a team or anywhere else on the side of and who's not living and breathing the air, the players are living in that 10 yards squared, you know. Yeah. Then you've got, you know, you look at Wales with the kind of the, the, the injuries, the the players leaving and, the, you know, NFL drawing players. Yeah. And then you go back to France and you've got the Olympic Games on where DuPont has decided to play sevens or head off onto a different discipline career path, you know. So there's a huge amount of disruption. Uh, Wales, as we know, have been in turmoil for years at the club level. I mean, you and I were talking about Glenn Etley last night. Yeah. I mean, you know, Parky Scarlet's, that new, uh, well, it's not new anymore, 15, 20 years old stadium is absolutely dull. And it's the only word you can describe. There's no atmosphere there. It's a concrete uh, pile of, of dampness and that, that no soul. And that really reflects the atmosphere. And you know, as a player, you need to run out in front of a home crowd. And if you compare Glenetti to what it was in Stradley Park back yeah. in the day, completely different environment. So Wales rugby is really not where it has been in decades and seems to be circling the drain. Scottish rugby, I think Gregor Townsend has gone stale. They flattered to deceive. They've got some fantastic skilled players, talented, but when it comes to nailing it, like as you saw in their previous match, they just can't do it against Wales. They were 27 points up and they should have put that away. These are professional players now, you know, so... Yeah. And then when you compare them to Ireland, and you know England, predictable, um, you know, Owen Farrell leaving, George Ford, predictable, the coach, predictable. There's nothing much really there. They're going to rely on the Twickenham crowd uh, for for their game, which is not where they want to be. And yet they got the semi final, albeit a, a luckier draw. So across the board, there seems to be a huge amount of disruption and inconsistency in the game. And the only shining light, this is the Northern Hemisphere I'm, I'm talking about, the only shining light really is the Irish rugby team and the players within and the, and the kind of, the aura they're putting out there, the kind of team bonding they have out there where they can 
slip into a new captain like Caelan Darns and pull out a performance like that, albeit against a really, really poor Italian team. And we didn't mention Italy. I mean, Italy were at their best in the last two decades when you had Conor O'Shea and Stephen Abood there where they were developing players. And even at that, you know, height, they were great, but a lot better than they are now, you know. So it's disappointing for the game. Um, and you really wonder how it's going to come back. But I think we're lacking those dominant figures at the... You know, the marketeer has also taken over. So there's a bit, of, a lot of deflection for the crowds. You know, the, the, the game itself is becoming less of important. And there's also the other stuff, subplots going on around it that are taking from the game itself. And, and as you said, Reggie, when you see, when you see that happening last week, you know, I mean, there was the 79th minute when that try was scored or not scored. Yeah. And we were dragged into minutes of TMO references, time wasting, and then suddenly there was a final whistle. You know, for for years in all sports, you want a final whistle to be a moment of, of, of devastation or happiness. Yeah. But it was just like, blah, final whistle. We just fell into the end of the game. And the French couldn't believe themselves that they won that game because you would have expected at least a hometown decision, even if it was more, even if it was 50-50, which in my mind it was 99-1, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, what you're mentioning there, we've discussed before on the show, but it's... I, I firmly believe that they've made the game, like you're talking about no strong characters as referees, but I think they've made the game unreffable because there's so many laws now and uh, situations that they have to try and look at and determine. And they're also under the microscope of social media. They're afraid of their life of making a wrong decision. And even when they go upstairs to get a decision and, and, and get that decision made elsewhere, that still goes wrong. And then so you're still under the mire of social media and people saying, well, that was a try for Scotland and, you know, the World Rugby should be ashamed of themselves and they're calling for apologies from World Rugby and you've got Gregor Townsend calling for clarification for World Rugby. Like, the game, and I've been saying it for ages, it needs to be simplified. It needs to be brought back, uh, you know, the, the, the laws just need to be regressed to to 10 15 years ago to simplify it you know and and give give refs a chance it's not fair on them they just have no chance and that filters all the way down to club rugby and schoolboy rugby and youth rugby every sunday where refs are looking at stuff like parents are becoming referees on a sunday with their kids they're looking at stuff they're seeing on television they're trying to put that and reenact it onto their kids game and it's just causing confusion across the board so like it it needs a, a really really top level review of the laws and simplify the game in my opinion yeah I mean, it's definitely overregulated. and I mentioned Rain, Wayne Barnes there recently who's recently retired um, there was a time if you said to any Leinster player or Munster player Wayne Barnes is refereeing everyone would, would swoon and go oh god this is going to be you know hometown ref he's going to be er- erratic in his decisions now actually you look back and go, I'd actually take Wayne Barnes because there is a dominant figure there. He makes a decision, you respect it. Mm. When you overregulate anything, you've got nuances there that people can read into and see it differently. The bottom line is that, you know, on the fly of a game, that ball was touched down. It touched the guy's leg uh, initially and then it hit grass. There was nothing else underneath there but grass, that's a try. But when you start putting videos in and TMOs and offloading the decision-making process to somebody else, because I don't want to make a decision, let him make the decision, and then he's getting confirmation bias from the wording that you gave him this uh, job to do, which in uh, on field, I don't see it as a try or no try. Yeah. What's your decision? So there you go. 
confirmation bias says he's not going to go against you. And then all of a sudden, you know, as you say, Gregor Townsend is upset. Now, there was a time when coaches just had to suck it up yeah. and go down to the dressing room. We didn't get the rub of the green, move on. But all this looseness and regulations and adding, you know, TMOs and everyone else's opinion and then delaying the crowd enhancement of the game or the crowd participating who are high on energy and fun and enjoying the atmosphere of the game and then just dragging that out and soaking that out um, while we all wait for a decision from some guy sitting in the van. It's absolutely horrendous and it's wrecking the game. And again, it comes to over-regulation. Nobody can make a decision. And therefore, when the decision is made by a computer or AI or whatever it might be, yeah. the decision is not respected. And then we're still talking about a week or two later. Yeah, you know, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they need to sit up and take notice of that and, and come up with it. But it, it sounds like we're being negative. We're not. We're just thinking about it from the the, the benefit of the game um, and and the betterment of the game, let's say. And I think there's a lot of people who would agree with that as well. There's just way too much decision-making going on in the uh, the truck outside the stadium to try and replay and, and, decisions. And also, yeah. Sorry, Richard, I keep after that before I forget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone plays a game to be the best they can be or the best in the world or the best in Leicester or their club or whatever level they play it. And I don't believe referees are being allowed to reach their potential because of these laws and the re- regulation and the microphones and the cameras they have. Mm. You know, if you go into refereeing, and we've known some great refs, you know, even going to the Roller who we played with Elaine Roland, yeah. what a fantastic professional he, he was. You know, this is a guy who wants to be the top of his game but you're not allowed to do that anymore because you've got so many people watching you, judging, whatever. Now, back in the day, of, of, there was no team out. There was referees that were sitting in the stand governing the referees. But it was a positive criticism to make them better and let them be the best. Yeah. And I don't think the referees in Ferenson have the ability to do that these days. And also, I don't think they're respected enough on the pitch either. There's too much uh, of this back chat and, you know, other stuff creeping in, um, questioning referees, whereas their decision used to be final and respected. But, uh, you know, that's another story uh, entirely. On a more positive note, um, great to see Ross Byrne making a comeback for Leinster. Um, you know, Crowley's been very good there, but let's not forget Ross Byrne uh, is another person who's been biding his time waiting for Johnny Sexton to retire so that he might get the opportunity so uh, be hoping for him to make a good return and um, push for uh, inclusion in that Irish squad again Yeah it's great to see Ross Byrne, I mean you look at Ross Byrne's stats and caps and performances and closing out games, winning games over the last couple of years and you're right he was in um, Johnny Sexton's shadow um, for a long long time and now about to burst out of it in a couple of hours. Um, a guy that unlucky with injury recently, um, he has been on the wrong side of the press and the right side of the press, depending on which side you sit. Uh, Crowley certainly at the moment is in a honeymoon period and deserves it. Uh, not perfect, but certainly in a honeymoon period for the first couple of caps. So it'll be very, very good for Crowley to have that competition. And obviously Ross with performances today will be back in the Irish squad for the Six Nations time for football I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley good morning Alan how are you I'm great Reggie yourself not too bad at all yeah it was a, a lively start last night there's no doubt about it to the um, the league we saw plenty of draws maybe some surprising results along the way a few red cards as well so there was action right across the board I suppose if we start with um, the team that you see saw as being unbeatable in the league who got a draw Shamrock <laughs> Rovers won all against Dundalk <laughs> and, and, and maybe somewhat fortunate to, to just get that draw 
Yeah, it's a bit early to be uh, reminding me of that, Reggie, I think, or, or, or me to be feeling like I have to eat my words just yet. But um, I, know. I was very bullish and I'm still very bullish. Don't worry about that. But yeah, they were disappointing on the night, um, particularly the first half. I think the injury to Neil Frugia just kind of stopped the momentum that they were building in the game. And it was a 10 minute stoppage. And then Dundalk scored just after that. And the game was a bit bitty up to half time. They made a change at half-time, then he went 4-4-2. Stephen Bradley brought on an extra striker, which I felt they badly needed on the night. And Aaron Green made a massive difference. Got a goal, but he just gave them energy, um, gave them a tread in behind that they didn't have in the first half. And they probably deserved uh, the point, but that's about all they deserved, Reggie, because I think Dundalk deserve a lot of credit as well. They came with a game plan, a lot of new players. They have 11 new players into the squad. Five started last night, so that's big changes uh, when you when you look at it like that. So for them to put in the performance they did and come away from Tala with a point, I think they deserve credit as well. Absolutely, especially considering Ryan O'Kane hit the inside of the post and could have put them two mm. ahead, you know. Maybe it would have been a totally different story, but um, yeah, like you said, I don't think... Oh, it would have been at that stage, yeah, yeah. definitely, and um, and 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 when you look at it, like they were they were under a bit of pressure at that stage, and it was a breakaway. And as you said, if that goes in, it's two 0 And I don't think Shamrock Rovers are probably coming back into it then. Yeah. So they got a bit of luck when it hit the inside of the post. He was unlucky. People might argue he should have scored, but um, they hit the inside of the post. And then I think a draw overall was a fair result when you look at I suppose how the how both halves played out. Yeah, well, uh, in the other draw that I mentioned earlier, so Bowes playing out a two-all draw against Sligo, but it was only uh, in injury time that James Clark managed to save that point for Bowes and Sligo Rovers will feel very hard done by. Yeah, they will, because when you when you concede, especially away from home in the last kick of the game, of course you're going to feel very hard done by. And I looked at some of the highlights last night and even the reaction of the Sligo Rovers players when the goal went in because they knew it was the last kick and haven't put any huge monumental effort to open a night of the season away from home, a packed daily mount to be 2-1 up. They obviously did well on the night and feeling like you're going to go down the road with three points to be pegged back, as I say, in the last kick is, is always disappointing. But they can take positives from that. I think Bowles, out of the two teams, will probably be more disappointed because on paper you look like it's a good start for them, thinking we have Sligo at home, a good chance to get up and running and get three points on the board. But... To be paid, to be two one down going into injury time isn't a great look for them. Um, so I'm sure they were relieved to get the point, but they would have been disappointed that that's all they got. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the other draw then was uh, Shelburne away to Waterford City, uh, but they did go down to ten men. So Damien Duff, um, it was Sean Boyd got sent off, was it? Damien Duff's men were kind of uh, lucky to get the draw in the end, I suppose. Yeah, he got the goal, Sean, and then uh, that was later on, uh, Reggie. So they were one nil down from from early on. Yeah. Um, so I suppose to, to get themselves back into the game away from home, Waterford, there would have been a huge crowd there, a lot of optimism coming into the new season, having just been promoted. So it would have been a tricky tie. Um, so I think overall, I haven't seen the highlights now, but overall I'm sure Damien was was probably glad of the point and, and to get out of there with the point and that they weren't beaten. I suppose that's most important on the open night of the season as well, that you don't lose. Mm-hmm. So especially away from home to pick up the point I'm sure he was relieved and, and happy with that but uh, they have a massive one next week they're playing Shamrock Rovers in their first op- in their first home game of the season so Talca Park will be bouncing next Friday night Reggie Yeah Derry um, so rode their luck somewhat to get a 2-1 uh, victory over Drogheda but got their league campaign off to the, the, the start that they wanted 
Yeah, absolutely, because everybody is looking at Derry and St. Pat's as being the two to challenge Shamrock Rovers, and we want to see a challenge. We want to see somebody step up and, and as I say, push Shamrock Rovers. And even though I've been bullish about Shamrock Rovers, I, I, I want someone to challenge them. I don't want them to run away with the league and make it uncompetitive. So I think it was important for Derry that were playing against Drada, who, who you would fancy your chances against the full-time outfit if they do have aspirations of winning the league their games even though it might be the opening night they're still games they have to be winning at home so for them to get the victory they would have been delighted with that a good start three points Pat Hubin their off-season signing as well uh, the big name signing got off the mark as well so that's hugely important and if he if he, if he can hit the ground running like he did last night and, and get himself um, a good few goals like he has done with Dundalk over the years because he's a great player Pat then they can have a big say in the title race but I think a lot hinges on his shoulders Absolutely Okay you mentioned St. Pat's there and their challenge um, they gave themselves a decent shot at it uh, Jamie Lennon getting an early goal uh, away in Terland Park against Galway of course so they got that 1-0 victory that's a good win away from home it's not easy to go down to Terland Park and win yeah, that's a huge win, Reggie, as, as, as I say, to go away from home against something similar like Waterford, a team just promoted. There would have been a huge crowd in Terryland Park. Again, a lot of optimism uh, before the game and they would have quietened the crowd down straight away because I think Jamie scored after three minutes. Mm. So they would have had to hold out them for a long period. Um, but they've done that same pats and defensively they're quite sound. So that's a good result. And again, the two teams that we're talking about, uh, Derry and St. Pats, on paper they would have had two fixtures they would have fancied even though Pats were away from home. So it was important, even though it's only the first night to get three points on the board and it just gets you up and running uh, Pats will be at home now next week so they can they can if they can get back to back wins six points on the board after two will be a great start for them but they're the two we're looking at most likely to put the challenge up to Shamrock Rovers Derry and St Pats and hopefully that's the case Reggie even though as I say I think Shamrock Rovers will win the league and I think they'll win it quite handsomely but I, I do want to see somebody challenge hopefully because we don't want to see them run away with it Absolutely not. We didn't get much of a chance to talk yet about Go United and uh, what sort of a squad have they got? What sort of a, a, an addition will they be to the league? Yeah, big addition, uh, Reggie. I think Waterford as well. Both clubs coming up are huge additions. Both of them full-time setups as well. John Caulfield is in charge at Galway, so plenty of experience. Obviously, very successful at Cork City. Uh, they've kept a lot of the squad that they had in the first division. Brendan Clark, who you'll probably know, the goalkeeper, experienced goalkeeper as well. Good to have in the Premier Division because he he's played there all his life. Really, Brendan, um, Connor McCormick as well, tenacious little midfielder. So they'll be competitive, Reggie. I'd be looking at I know I'm talking a lot maybe about the teams at the top but down around the bottom you'd be looking at I think it'd be very competitive down there uh, you won't have a situation where you might have the likes of a UCD being tailed off early on I think it'll be very competitive between the likes of Drogheda Waterford Galway Sligo those four or five down there at the bottom um, and it'll be nip and tuck between them all so that'll be an interesting side of the league as well so uh, lots to look forward to there so uh, yeah I think Galway and Waterford are massive additions and geographically as well it's good to have the spread obviously another team from the West and have Waterford back in the league a club with huge League of Ireland tradition as well so I think two very good additions to the league and as we look forward to next weekend there's two juicy encounters uh, as Shelburne uh, host Shamrock Rovers on Friday night um, that's the first one and then Pats hosting Bowes as well so both of those ones likely to be humdingers 
Oh, two crackers, Reggie. Yeah, so early in the season as well, but two brilliant Dublin derbies. Uh, I'll be in Talca myself, and I'm really looking forward to that. As I said, it's their their home, their first home game as well, so it'll be huge, huge crowd, huge atmosphere. Everybody looking forward to that. Uh, both teams picking up a point last night, so they'll be looking to get a win on the board. So that'll be a huge night, and the same over in Chicora as well. Uh, St. Pat's looking to go back-to-back and get those six points I spoke about, but Bowes will be looking for a reaction already. I know it's only early in the season, but they don't want to find themselves getting off to a slow start. Um, so yeah, two massive games, Reggie, and it's what we have to look forward to for the rest of the year. I can't, I'm, I'm buzzing, as you know. You think Pats have the edge on that one with the home advantage? I would think so, Reggie, yeah. I think even looking in the off-season, um, Pats have... They've, they've, they have lost a couple of players, key players. Obviously, young Sam Curtis has gone away, but they've they've brought in three or four new lads as well. Rory Keaton has come in, Aaron Bulger. Um, so I think Pats, yeah, have a, have a they probably have a more steady team at the moment. Bowes, I still think, even though I didn't see the game last night, they lost a lot of players. There was a big turnover of players. They brought in three Estonian lads. He scored last night, actually. Ryan Court got off to a good start, but it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, I think Declan will probably be still trying to maybe get his best 11 on the pitch in, and, he, and he won't know that maybe until a few weeks so um, interesting times it always is at the start of the season but the mm. ones I find that have the continuity and have the, the squads assembled and that you're only adding one or two like the likes of Dundalk last night 11 new signings is massive and yeah. to put five debuts on the pitch like that's a big turnaround half a team really yeah. um, so it's always going to take time with, with clubs like that Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.